This is Faith in Action, the program that looks at how ordinary people are putting their faith into action in their everyday lives. Faith in Action is produced by Catholic Radio Indy. It covers a wide variety of guests and topics. If you have any comments or suggestions for the program, please contact Bridget. That's B-R-I-G-I-D, Bridget, at catholicradioindy.org or call us at 317-870-8400. And now, here's today's edition of Faith in Action. Welcome to Faith in Action. I'm Gordon Smith, and I'm here today in Rome City, Indiana, interviewing Al Lanzenkamp, and he is with Our Lady of America. Welcome, Al. Good morning, Gordon. Thank you for coming to visit today. Today is the 66th anniversary of the first vision that Sister Mary Ephraim had 66 years ago at this time in this place. And can you explain a little bit about that and the history of the devotion, Al? Well, certainly, Gordon. Thank you so much. The the devotion uh, known as Our Lady of America uh, really... Uh, although it started here in 1956 with uh, inspirations of Sister Mary Ephraim and what many would call mystical experiences. Um, But really the history of this devotion goes back much, much farther than that. And it has to do with the acts of the the bishops of the United States, the first bishop, John Carroll. Uh, When he uh, was named bishop, there was only one diocese in the United States. So his... In Baltimore, right? In Baltimore, yes. And he, he... had the whole country. Uh, He consecrated our nation to the Immaculate Virgin, another name for the Immaculate Conception. As I said, that was in 1792. And then as the years went on, and some almost uh, 50 years later, there were multiple dioceses in the country, and they got to, the bishops got together for their first conference. You know, every year the bishops get together in conference in Baltimore, uh, even to this day. And there they named Our Lady, the Immaculate Virgin, patroness of America. And that is the full and um, official title of this devotion, which is devotion to Our Lady, the Immaculate Virgin, patroness of America. Our Lady, Immaculate Virgin, patroness of America. Yeah, and that's a handful. It is. But uh, the bishops have also said that the short for that, Our Lady of America, uh, really are one and the same. So when you say Our Lady of America, you're meaning the full title and vice versa. Um, And uh, it's very interesting in this devotion that Our Lady actually uses both titles. Uh, So even she was putting the two together uh, to mean one. Uh, But that's that's a little bit about the the genesis of this. But um, over the years, America grows and, and becomes a great nation. Uh, fights two world wars and um, goes through the Great Depression and is now to the time where it's taken a position of leadership within the in the world. That was a very important point in our our history's development and and Our Lady wanted us to know that she's with us um, not only because our nation's been consecrated to her but also that she is our patroness and that. That title patroness was actually ratified by the Pope. Now, in 1956, Our Lady allegedly appeared here at Rome City, and I'll talk about the word alleged in a few minutes, but uh, she came with a very specific message for us. 
And I want to go back to to Lourdes for just a minute, and Our Lady of Lourdes, and 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 that wonderful apparition there, where Our Lady appeared to Bernadette, and she said, "Who are you?" to the lady, and and the lady replied, "I am the Immaculate Conception." Now this was important because the the Church had had just years before uh, declared that a dogma of the Church. So in order to call yourself Catholic, you have to believe that Our Lady was conceived without the stain of original sin and then was sinless for the rest of her life. And, and this was necessary in order to be the mother of God. When she appeared at Lord, she's really doing two things. She was confirming that declaration, saying that the dogma is indeed true. But she was going on to say, I want this known. So through the miracles of of this apparition in the grotto there in Lourdes, uh, the concept, the, the faithful concept of the Immaculate Conception uh, became more widely known. And I think it's very similar to what happened here in Rome City in 1956 when Sister Mary Ephraim was inspired in prayer. And she had an alleged vision of first of Our Lady of Lourdes, and that was on September 25th, 1956. And then the next day, uh, her image came as Our Lady of America. Uh, so this was, I think, first of all, to confirm the two things that the bishops had already done. One, name her, our, our consecrating our nation to her. And secondly, then naming her patroness. So it's very interesting that she put bookends on this one day our lady of uh, of lords is the immaculate virgin the next day is patroness of america uh, which really puts together the two acts of the bishops into one so what comes out of this then is not only a confirmation of what the bishops did but also drawing attention to what the bishops did and it's this attention this focus that she wants to put on her life as what she can do for us because we've been consecrated to her, but also what she wants us to do and to know about her so that she can fulfill her, her role as patroness. Now, you, you mentioned a couple things, and before we get too far into that, I, I want to explain where Rome City even is on the map. We are sitting in the middle of uh, kind of the lake count- counties, lake areas of northern Indiana near Fort Wayne, the alleged apparition, and you, you could explain that a little bit. The the apparitions occurred at this location, and there must have been a reason for that as well. Um, sister Mary Ephraim was a precious blood sister, and this facility that I'm sitting in now was, what was it? It was a hospital. It was known as a sanitarium of the day, and it was a chronic care facility. So people would come here with diseases and hopefully be cured from them. They they had some tremendous success curing people of tuberculosis, Spanish flu, uh, digestive issues, and some addictions and depressions as well. But this was chronic care. People didn't come here to get their arms set. They came here to get better. I see. So it was a tuberculosis-type sanatorium hospital, and the sisters performed what function at at the facility? Well, they owned it and ran it, and they took care of the patients. Now, they had a lot of hired help, but they had uh, many times as many as 40 nuns here, 
uh, not only did they take care of the patients physically, they also prayed for the patients. They also interacted with them. So not only would people be healed here physically, many were healed here spiritually as well. That's a great testimony to the Precious Blood Sisters. So the campus is massive here. I don't know how many acres you have, but um, there, there's building upon building upon building here. It, it was a massive facility for this treatment. And you said 30 or 40 nuns here, Precious Blood Sisters. Um, and there's a chapel on site. So this seems like a pretty substantial operation. It indeed was. Uh, several hundred acres, they grew most of their food. The treatment that was used here is known as the Nipe water cure, and that's, that's worth a mention here. Uh, Nipe was a, a German priest, and he had tuberculosis, and this was in the late 1800s. And with tuberculosis of the day, you either lived with it or you died from it, but you never got over it. Uh, it was a chronic illness, and eventually would take your life. Well, he was able to cure himself of tuberculosis and he used what has subsequently been called the night water cure and today we would know it as holistic medicine the whole idea was good food clean water exercise spiritual exercises good rest and the focus was to restore the immune system so that your body would take care of whatever it was that was ailing you and it was very successful. And then there was a doctor who trained under Monsignor Nipe in Germany and came here in 1895 and started this place. And there's an actual spring on the facility, right? Yes. The, or the, many springs. The, the water is very important. That's, and that is why uh, this location was chosen for the sanitarium, because part of the Nipe water cure Obviously, clean and, and good water was critically important. They also needed a lot of water to run the hospital. But they also used this very cool water. And this, this water comes from deep in the earth, and it's, it's cold. It's low 50s. Uh, they used uh, a, a, a contrast baths. And well, what's a contrast bath? Well, think, picture this. It's, it's late May. You're, you're working at the lake and cutting the grass, and you're just getting all sweaty. And you see the beautiful, wonderful, clear lake out there, and you go run into it, but the ice only melted a few weeks ago. That's a contrast bath. And that's when all of your body wakes up at once. I think we've uh, probably mostly all experienced that. Like a cold shower on a hot day. Yeah, yeah, yes. (laughs) So the sisters ran the facility uh, into the 50s, and um, Sister Mary Ephraim, was here, uh, and I think she was in a, a um, internal chapel, not the main chapel. Uh, and what happened then, Al? Well, uh, interestingly, she was only here for about seven weeks. Uh, oh, she, she was She was moved around a lot. She was primarily a school teacher, uh, taught the younger grades, kindergarten, first and second. Uh, she was also assigned to domestic work. Uh, Precious Blood Sisters taught in a lot of schools around the, the country, they also um, would staff many of the bishops' homes in various dioceses. And it was really in, uh, she was stationed at Cincinnati, the bishop's home, for a while. And this is kind of a preclude to what happened here, where she met a priest by the name of Father Paul Leibold. And uh, he worked in the, in the rectory there, the chancery there at the diocese. 
And he and she uh, struck up a relationship. Uh, he, she was seeking spiritual direction from him. And she was relaying to him various mystical experiences that she was uh, having. And she thought they were quite common and ordinary. All sisters have them, right? Of, that, was, that was her belief this, that this is one of the, the gifts of being a religious. Uh, but Father Leibold uh, said, no, these are extraordinary. These are not ordinary, and that you should write them down, which she proceeded to do. And he became her spiritual director. But they were rarely in the same town. Uh, and he remained her spiritual director until he passed away until 19, in 1972. But they were rarely in, in the same town. Uh, so most of the spiritual direction was via letter, which, which is a great gift because there's a great record. Okay, we're going to rejoin that concept in just a second. I'm going to take a break here. This is Gordon Smith, and, we're, and you're listening to Faith in Action. I'm interviewing Al Lanzenkamp today on the topic of Our Lady of America. We'll be right back. Catholic Radio Indy has a new look. It's our website. Yes, we have a new website that makes everything about Catholic Radio Indy easier. It's clean, straightforward, and simple to use. You can listen to us live, see our schedule, and our map. You can even silence your phone and take it right into Mass to follow the daily readings. And don't forget, you can get all of our programming through the podcast tab. This makes everything so much easier. So just go to catholicradioindy.org and check us out. You can hear the Holy Mass every day at 8 a.m. right here on Catholic Radio Indy. Welcome back to Faith in Action. This is Gordon Smith. I'm interviewing Al Lanzenkamp today, and we're talking about Our Lady of America. Right before the break, we were talking about Sister Mary Ephraim and uh, her desire to get spiritual direction from the then Monsignor Leibold uh, in Cincinnati. She was stationed down there in Cincinnati with him and uh, she sought spiritual direction, and they re- they developed a relationship uh, that lasted until his death in 1972, I think. Yes, um, and as I was relaying, the spiritual direction of the day was via letter because they were rarely in the same town, which was a great uh, providence for us today because there's a wonderful record of of how this devotion formed uh, in in her uh, her experiences and also the reaction of her spiritual director, Father Paul Leibel. Now, he's an interesting, uh, interesting man in his own right. Uh, he, uh, when they met, he was father, and then he was uh, made a monsignor, uh, and then an auxiliary bishop of the Archdiocese of Cincinnati. Subsequently, he was named the bishop of Evansville, Indiana. So, so an Indiana connection another, there. Another Indiana connection. And then after, I think, four or five years there, he moved back to Cincinnati as the Archbishop of Cincinnati. And this is, this is significant in the life of the church because a bishop has certain authority and privileges that the priests do not. You know, they are in charge and responsible for the spiritual mission of their diocese. And Archbishop Leibold was the first one to approve or I should say, allow this devotion of the lay faithful. Um, and he did this back in 1960. So he was the first. And, and there have been many, many bishops since then 
that have subsequently given it their blessing. Is that called an imprimatur at that point? Well, um, an imprimatur is a review of, of writings uh, that say there's nothing that is contrary to the faith in these writings. But a, it really goes beyond an imprimatur when a, when a, a, a bishop or an archbishop um, gives his blessing for this to go forward uh, with the faithful. Uh, and it, there's a fine line between a bishop approving this and allowing it. So this is a private devotion of the lay faithful. It's not a public devotion. And, and that's kind of interesting. Uh, you might want to make a distinction yeah, on that. It, it is important. A lot of people get, get confused on this. When I say private devotion, that does not mean that you have to go to your bedroom to say the prayers and that everything has to be done in private. No. What it means is that it is promoted not by the bishop, it is promoted by the lay faithful under the oversight and, and, uh, and control of the bishop. Uh, but this is a work of the lay faithful. It is not a work of the, of the hierarchical church. And, um, and that's important. And, and there's many, many uh, private devotions. Uh, technically, even the rosary is a private devotion. Um, so it, it is a, a very fruitful thing within the church, these private devotions. And the bishops have designated this as an allowed private devotion because of the fruit of, of uh, what Sister Mary Ephraim has, has brought to us. Okay, so now we've established that um, the facility here in Rome City is sort of the size and scope of French Lick, if you want to make a comparison that has an Indiana tie. Uh, there's a spring here, a neap spring, springs. Um, there was messages that were uh, relayed to uh, Sister Mary Ephraim, uh, and, and one of those messages contained information about the indwelling. Could you go into that a bit? Wow, that's a, that's a tough question. Um, I'm going to have to back up a little bit uh, before we actually get the indwelling of the Trinity Act. Uh, but what does she want from us? But more importantly, what does she want for us in this devotion? So if we look at the image, and it's, I'm going to have to describe these things because it is radio, but September 26, 1956, um, Our Lady allegedly appeared as Our Lady of America, and it's a very unique depiction of Our Lady. First, she is in all white. It is a garment without stain, and this is her manifestation of her immaculate nature. And the word, even the word immaculate is, is sometimes misused. You know, there's immaculate and, and pure, and sometimes we get the two confused, but they are different. Uh, immaculate is something that has never been stained and didn't need to be cleaned. Pure is something that got dirty and needed to be made pure. So Our Lady is immaculate, and her all white is, a, is an image of that. Uh, she has her, um, uh, she actually has the cincture uh, above her abdomen, showing that she is with child. Also, uh, the exposed immaculate heart, inflamed with love for us, her children, and also the crown, her queenship as, as queen of heaven and earth. But the thing that is most extraordinary about this image of Our Lady is the lily. She's holding a lily. Now, that's normally something that's uh, shown with St. Joseph, right? It is. It is. And, and in Catholic tradition, the lily is a sign of the gift of purity, not the sign of being immaculate. 
only Our Lady is immaculate. But St. Joseph is, has the gift of purity. And, and it was very interesting in this devotion, uh, St. Joseph also has a role. Uh, there's a couple paragraphs in, in the here where uh, he too allegedly appeared to Sister Mary Ephraim. And these took place from 1956 to 1960. And not, every, not all of these happened here at Rome City. She was only here for seven weeks. But this is where it started. And this is where the image of Our Lady of America was first brought to us. So St. Joseph... He has some things that he says here that are are somewhat extraordinary, if you will. And I just need to preface this. What I am about to say is not dogma of the church. You do not have to believe this to call yourself Catholic. And if you put 100 theologians in a room, you probably wouldn't get 100 agreeing that this is indeed true. But I am going to relay to you what St. Joseph uh, allegedly said to Sister Mary Ephraim. And I'm going to paraphrase here. But you need to understand this, otherwise we don't understand why our, our lady has the lily. And St. Joseph says that he was conceived with original sin. Very different than our lady who was conceived without original sin. So St. Joseph and we are in the same camp. We both have original sin. But he goes on to say that through the future merits of Jesus Christ and grace, he was mystically baptized in the womb. Uh, before his birth. So we're still in the same camp with St. Joseph. Okay, if we've been baptized, we've been made pure, we've been cleansed, he was as well. So St. Joseph and, and, and us normal mortals have a lot in common. Uh, we were conceived with original sin, we received the grace of baptism, but this is where it changes. He goes on to say that through grace, he was mystically preserved from sin for the rest of his life. And this is really an important thing if we look at the life of the Holy Family and also this, this gift of purity. So St. Joseph got this gift of purity to be preserved from sin uh, for his life. And, and the lily is his symbol of that, of that gift that he's received. Now, in this devotion, Our Lady brings this, this lily to us, and you can't see it, but I'm going to describe the way she's holding the lily. St. Joseph holds it like a staff. It's his office. But Our Lady is holding it in an extended gesture of, would you like this gift? Almost like she's handing it to us. It is. And if you walk around to the side of this image, it becomes much clearer that it is a motion of a gift that she wants us to give. Her, her veil is flowing. She's actually coming towards us and wants us to have this gift that St. Joseph got. Now, we won't have it to, the, to the, the degree that he had it, but we can too participate in that gift that St. Joseph has. And that's really what Our Lady's calling us to do. And more importantly, this is the gift she wants for us. Are we, does this then lead to the indwelling of the, the Trinity? I'm it, sorry. It, it, gets us, it gets us there a, a little closer. Now, let me go on to say, how do, we, how do we receive this gift? How do we accept the gift that Our Lady has? Well, for, there's really four things that we, she asks of us. And, and these are things that we really ought to be doing anyway. There's, there's nothing new here. And, and I think it's really important to understand that Our Lady's mission is always to do one thing, and that is to bring souls to Christ, all right? Everything she does 
has one purpose. To Jesus through Mary. That's right. Okay, so a lot of people get confused about the, the authority and the power of Mary. No, Mary has no authority and no power unless God gave it to her. And this is a very important thing to do because many people think that Catholics say almost that Mary is divine. And and we're saying, no, that's not true. She's not divine. But she has, through gifts of grace, become very God-like, but not God, not divine. So I, I want her in my corner. That's you do. Heaven. You do. And, and that's a, a, perhaps can touch on that a bit here with the, the indwelling of the divine trinity. But what she wants us to do to receive this gift is first, we have to desire it. We have to want it. Uh, secondly, uh, she asks that we pray. Third is the sacraments, particularly confession and reconciliation. You know, we do fall in sin and we have the grace of confession. St. Joseph didn't have that. If he had sinned, there was no way back because confession, the sacrament had not yet been established by Jesus. But we have that, so we can be made pure over and over again. But fourth, this is the big one. She wants us to imitate her as the Immaculate Conception. And she wants us to imitate one thing most specifically, and that is that we give our fiat just like she gave her fiat when the angel Gabriel came to her and said, would you be the mother of Christ? And her response was, let it be done to me according to your word. And it wasn't the word of St. Gabriel that she was saying yes to. It was the word of God. And she was accepting these things without really knowing what they meant. She was accepting them in grace and in trust. And that's what she wants us to do, give our fiat. So those are the four things that she's asking of us. Thanks, Al. And we're going to have to rejoin this program in a part two session in a few minutes. But before I do, I just want to thank you, Al, for your time today and appearing and speaking with us about Our Lady of America in Rome City. And could you give us just a real brief explanation of how you can visit this place and how you can see some of the facilities here and the place where these alleged apparitions occurred. All right. Well, thank you, Gordon. Um, We are here for one reason, and that is for pilgrims. So we invite all of you to come visit us. Um, We have regular hours on Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Saturdays. And also we have first Saturday of devotion and mass and confession. But all this detail is on our website. It's patronessofamerica.org. And you can find everything there that you need. If you want to bring a group, we can make uh, arrangements for a special time for you to come and visit. What time is that Mass on the first Saturday? It is at 11 a.m. And all of our tours on Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday are also at 11. So uh, we would uh, love to see you come. And uh, there's so much here, so much richness in terms of history and grace. And we would love to have you come and participate. You've been listening to Faith in Action, the program that looks at how ordinary people are putting their faith into action in their everyday lives. Faith in Action is produced by Catholic Radio Indy. This program and all Faith in Action programs can be heard or downloaded as podcasts from catholicradioindy.org. If you have a comment or suggestion for guests or topics for the program, please contact Bridget. That's B-R-I-G-I-D. Bridget at CatholicRadioND.org or call us at 317 870 
8400. This program has been pre-recorded.